Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. You know, sometimes, um, sometimes we as preachers, uh, in some of the most unusual places and the most unusual times, God puts some thought in our heart and just makes it clear to us that he's giving us a message, a word for our church. And this happened to me uh, this past week. I was sitting in a funeral, and uh, the preacher simply mentioned a scripture. This wasn't his subject. It wasn't what he was preaching about. He just kind of threw the scripture in. And I don't really even know what it had to do with the point. You know, that just happens sometimes with us preachers. And if nothing else, I think maybe God was prompting him because the minute he said it, I had to grab, I didn't have a piece of paper, I didn't have anything. I just grabbed my phone and, and started making some notes on my phone as I felt like God was talking to me about this service tonight. And, um, and so I'm going to take you to a... Uh, at least one of these verses that I think you're familiar with uh, to some degree. And we're going to talk about it for a little while tonight if the Lord will help us. Hebrews chapter 6, and we will begin with verse number 13. Amen. Hebrews 6 and 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless thee. And multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. Now, here's the verse I think most of us are familiar with, at least part of this verse. Verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Verse 18, that familiar phrase, it's impossible for God to lie. How many of you believe that? How about the rest of you? How many of you believe it's impossible for God to lie? It's not that God chooses not to lie. It's that God cannot lie. He cannot. Because God doesn't just speak truth. He is truth. Hallelujah. And so it is impossible to, for God to lie. We know that. But what, what caught my attention in this verse is the, the opening phrase. That by two immutable things. Two immutable things. Now, I know you're standing, but the word immutable comes from the same uh, base as the word mutate. Do you know what it means to, to mutate? Um, the young people probably know about mutant, to, teen, what is it, teenage 
mutant ninja turtles or something, I don't know, but, but to mutate is to change. So something that is immutable means it cannot mutate, it cannot change. And the apostle said there are two things that cannot change, two immutable things. And that's what I want to talk to you about for a little while tonight is two immutable things, two immutable things. Would you put your Bibles down and uh, let's, let's lift our voices, lift our hands. Let's talk to the Lord right now, everybody. Let's ask him to speak to us tonight. Let's worship him together. Let's praise him together. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. I, uh, as I said, I sitting in the funeral for my uh, first pastor's wife. Um, the man who was preaching the funeral made reference to Hebrews 6 and 18. And when he did this phrase, two immutable things just caught my attention. And it jumped out at me. And I, I, uh, I made a few notes. I jotted a few things down so that I could come home. And, and when I had my resources available, begin to look at this statement. Let me tell you, as is the case with so many passages of Scripture, you can't really understand a particular verse unless you, you do a little digging and you go back, and uh, especially in the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is written to, of course, the Hebrew people or the Jewish people. And, and the overwhelming majority of everything that's written in this book is a reference to what was written in the Old Testament, the Bible of the Hebrews. And, and really, really, in this, in this book, um, if, if I could sum up the book of Hebrews in two words, it would be this, better things. That's what Hebrews is all about. It's about better things. It's pointing them back to the Old Testament, back to the law, back to Moses, back to the tabernacle, back to everything that was recorded there. And the writer, who I believe was the Apostle Paul, was saying to them, look, what we had back there, that's fine. But what God has given us now in the church far exceeds what we had back there. What Moses knew cannot compare to what we know. What Moses had cannot compare to what we have. The law that was written on tables of stone in no way compares to God writing that same law on the table of our hearts. 
It's all about things are better in the church than they were under the law. And so when you start reading a passage of scripture uh, in the book of Hebrews, it really behooves you to go back and look at what is being referred to in the Old Testament. And, and the apostle here is making a clear reference. As you saw in verse 13, for when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. The apostle is making reference to a particular incident in the life of Abraham. All right? And so if we're going to understand what Hebrews 6 and 18 really means, we're going to have to go back to Genesis and find the story to which the apostle refers. Are you with me? So, so the original setting that, that the apostle is talking about here is the time when Abraham was told by God to go unto the mount to which I will show you and offer your son as a sacrifice to me. That's the setting of the scripture. Of course, we know that Abraham went so far as to get his son on that altar. He had him bound. He had the knife drawn. He was ready to offer him when God intervened. Genesis 22, verses 10 through 14. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For know, now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his th horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mountain of the Lord it shall be seen. And so we, we know this. We're familiar with this story. Abraham's ready to offer his son because God told him to. But at that moment, that crucial in, uh, instance, when he is about to thrust the knife, uh, probably, most likely, through his neck. That's the way that they killed their sacrifices. The, 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 the lamb, the ram, whatever it was, that usually slit their throats and most likely that's what Abraham was prepared to do with his own son because he felt so strongly this is what God told him to do but at that moment his hand is already extended the Bible says he's got the knife in his hand and it's already extended but there was a voice that spoke from heaven and said don't touch him because you have proven to me that I mean more to you than anything else. You have proven to me that there is nothing else that is as important to you as I am. And when that voice spoke, Abraham heard something else. And he turned around. Now I'm going to tell you, I don't know where that ram came from. But it wasn't there when Abraham first started to offer Isaac. But somehow God did exactly what Abraham had told Isaac that he was going to do. For as they walked up that mountain, Isaac said, Father, here is the wood. Here's the fire. But where's the sacrifice? And Abraham's answer was, my son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And in that moment, God did exactly what Abraham had prophesied. And there was a rustling behind him. And he looked and here's a ram. Yeah. 
And Abraham proclaimed, the name of this place is Jehovah Jireh. My God will provide. The Lord my provider. That's what Jehovah Jireh means. The Lord my provider. He has provided what I needed. Now look, it was immediately after that. That's verse 14. Immediately after that, the voice came again. Verse 15, read. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham called out to of heaven the second time. The second time. And said, and said by myself have by I sworn. Myself have I sworn. Saith the Lord. Saith the Lord. For because thou hast because done this thing. Because you've done this thing. And hast not, and withheld, thy not son, withheld thy son. Thine only son. Thine only son. That in blessing I will bless thee. This is what he said. I have sworn that in blessing I'm going to bless you. And in multiplying, in multiplying I multiply I'm going to multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven. And as the sand, as the sand upon the that's upon the seashore. And, seed and your seed is going to possess the gate of his enemies. And now hang on right there. Hang on right there. Please notice he said in blessing I will bless thee. And in multiplying I will multiply thee. Now I can't prove this but this is my opinion. I believe what God was saying was every time that I get ready to bless somebody else, I'm going to say, wait a minute, I'm reserving a little portion for Abraham. Every time I start to multiply somebody else, there's a little portion I'm saving over here for Abraham. Every time I start blessing, I will not overlook this man. Every time I start multiplying, I will not overlook this man. And the blessing and the multiplication is going to be so great that it's going to be like the sand that's on the seashore. It's going to be like the stars that are in the heavens. You couldn't count them if you tried. Read. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now look, God said not only am I going to bless you, every time I start blessing somebody else, I'm going to bless you. And every time I start multiplying somebody else, I'm going to multiply you. But not only that, I'm going to tell you something, Abraham, you're going to be a blessing carrier. You are going to be a blessing carrier and the whole world is going to be blessed through you. What a promise. Yes, yes. Right. Now you understand by this time, Abraham was 99 when he got the promise of Isaac. So he was about 100 by the time Isaac was born. A lot of commentators say Isaac may have been as old as 16 years old when this took place. That would make Abraham somewhere around 116. Now at 116 years old, God says to him, I'm going to make your seed as the sand of the sea and the stars of the heavens. He's 116. We don't really even count Ishmael. Ishmael was not the will of God. The only one that we focus on is Isaac. He's got one boy that God cares about. He's 116 years old and he's got one boy that God cares about. But God said, I don't care. I'm not interested in the number. I'm just telling you, Abraham, before this thing is over, your seed is going to be multiplied like the sand and the stars. Well, hallelujah. And you're going to be a carrier of blessings to this entire world. Everywhere you go, blessings are going to flow from you. That's mind-boggling, church. That's mind-boggling. At 116 years old, God's going to do that? 
for me. Now I'm gonna tell you something. That's 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 a mighty big promise to make to a 116-year-old man. And and you know, we know I, in fact I talked about last week how that Abraham didn't stagger at the promise that God made concerning Isaac. But this goes beyond a promise of a son. This goes far beyond. This is far bigger than just I'm going to give you a bouncing baby boy. And you know, I'm going to tell you something, church. My experience in dealing with people is that we have limitations, natural limitations on what we are able to believe. Because everything we believe is based on something we've already known or seen. Right? Everything we believe has got some basis in what we've already experienced. And so now God is making this kind of a statement to a 116-year-old man. I just kind of got a feeling this is really pressing the limits of Abraham's faith. Now, now look, let me, let, me, let me explain something to you here. If, you know, if, if some stranger on the street comes up, and he may be very well-dressed and may be driving a very nice car, and he says to you, look, I don't have the cash with me today, and I don't know who you are, but I just feel impressed. Uh, I, I'm going to stop by, I'm going to stop by this same place tomorrow. You meet me here. I'm going to give you $20. I just feel like you need $20. Most of us would say, man, that's great. I can use 20 bucks. Right? I mean, if you can't use 20 bucks, um, you've got me fooled. Uh, you know, and, and we, hey, that's great. We'd probably call a few people. Man, I don't even know who this guy is. But he, he said he'd meet me back here at Walmart or wherever we were, you know. He told me that tomorrow he's going to meet me at the same time. He's giving me 20 bucks. That's great. You know, we can believe that. I mean, that's not too hard, right? But what if this man stops you in the middle of Walmart and says, look, I don't know who you are. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I want you to know I am a billionaire. And I just feel impressed to give you $20 million. Now, I'm going to tell you, as exciting as that may sound to some of you, the fact of the matter is you'd have a hard time believing him. You're going to walk out of there saying, yeah, right. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to look like a fool when I come back here tomorrow and you don't show up. Now, you probably would still go. You're hoping that he's going to keep his word, but there is something in us. That puts a limit on what we can believe. And I'm telling you what Abraham was told that day on Mount Moriah was one of those $20 million blessings. And God understands that. And God knows that. God knows the limitations of our human minds. God knows the boundaries of the faith that we have within us. And that's why I believe God took this a step further let's get hebrews 6 and 18 back on the wall now just stay with me i'm going somewhere here tonight we're not shouting and running yet but hang on hallelujah hebrews 6 and 18 read that by two immutable that things, by two 
two immutable things. In which it was impossible right. for God now, to lie. Now, now look, this is what I want you to see. The author said, and he's talking about this passage, right? Everybody's with me. He's talking about what happened back there to Abraham on Mount Moriah. The author said that there were two immutable things that God used yes, sir. to help convince Abraham that this $20 million blessing was coming. But what are these two immutable? What are these two unchangeable things? Well, if we go back to the first verse of our text, I think they're listed for us there. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13 says this. For when God made promise for to when Abraham. God made, when God made what? When God made what? A promise to Abraham. Because he could swear by no greater. Because he could swear by no greater. He swore by himself. What? He what? He swear. God made a promise. But God didn't stop with the promise. God swore to Abraham that this is going to happen. God made a promise and God made an oath. Now let's go back to this meeting in Walmart and this stranger walks up and says, I'm going to give you $20 million. And then he looks around and he finds somebody he knows that just happens to be a notary Republican. They've got everything with them. And he says, come here, I'm going to write out a document right here, right now. And I'm going to sign this and we're going to get it notarized. And I'm promising you, I'm not just promising, I'm swearing to you that tomorrow at this time, I'm going to be here with a certified cashier's check of $20 million. All of a sudden that oath goes beyond our normal limits of what we can believe and accept. That oath takes it a step further. It takes it a step higher than just the promise itself. And God said, Abraham, I don't want there to be one inkling of doubt in your mind that I'm going to do what I said I would do. I want you to understand, I'm not just promising this to you. I swear to you. Now, I don't think they do it a whole lot anymore because it's not politically correct. But for, for many, many, many years, hundreds of years, I think I could say, in this country, if you were called to testify in a court of law, you know what they would do? When you got on the witness stand, they're standing there with a Bible. Right? Put your hand on the Bible. Raise your other hand. Repeat after me. Right? I do solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Now why is the Bible involved? And why is the name of God invoked? Because they want to make sure you understand this is not just some oath that you can break. So they're appealing to something higher than fallible man. They're appealing to something that has never lied. There's not one thing in this book that's a lie. There's not one thing in this book that's wrong. 
And when they made you put your hand on this book, it was so you'd understand you can't lie like other people lie because you're making an oath based upon the truth and the validity and the veracity of the word of God invoking the very name of God himself who cannot lie. In other words, we don't really trust you because you're human, but we do trust God. So if you swear by God, then we know you're going to tell us the truth. Well, God got up there on Mount Moriah and watched Abraham get ready to kill his own son. And God looked around and said, I'm going to make him a promise, but it's going beyond a promise. I want to swear. I'm going to swear an oath. But when God looked around, there's nobody greater than God. There's nobody more honest than God. There's nobody more truthful than God. And so when he could swear by no greater, he said, I swear by myself. Because Abraham... You ought to be able just to trust my promise. You ought to know I promised you a son and I gave him to you. And even when I asked you to give him back, I let you keep him. You ought to know I'm going to keep my promise. But just in case this promise is bigger than what you can imagine, I want to go beyond just a promise and I'm going to swear to you. I'm going to swear by myself. There is no doubt that what I'm saying is going to come to pass. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now look, this was so important. It was so settled. You go ahead many years now into the future beyond Abraham. Moses is up on Mount Sinai. And he's receiving the law from God himself. And all of a sudden, God changes the direction of the conversation. Exodus 32, verses 7 through 10. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted now, themselves. Now, now, now look, look. Don't, don't, don't overlook exactly what God said. They're talking about the law. God's given Moses all these things. And then God said, Go, get down to your people. God wasn't even claiming them anymore. Really? I, I mean, that's what it said. Get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted thy, themselves. God wouldn't claim them. God was so angry with them, he didn't want to claim them. Moses, these are your people. You're the one who brought them out. Read. They have turned aside quickly they out of the way, quickly out of which, the way I which I commanded them. them. They have made a molten, made them a molten. Yeah, while you're up here, you and I are up here having this conversation, and we're having such precious communion. They're down there building themselves an idol to worship. Read. And have worshipped. They've worshipped that and calf, sacrificed and they've sacrificed to that these calf, be thy gods, and said, "These be thy Israel, gods, O Israel, which have brought which thee brought out of the land of Egypt." Of Egypt. 
And the Lord said to Moses, and the Lord said to Moses I have seen this I've people, seen this people behold, it and behold, it's people. a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me now alone. Now therefore let me alone. That my wrath may, that wax, my hot wrath may wax hot against and them. That I may consume that I may them. Consume and them. I will make of thee a great nation. Now get this. God is so angry with these people that he said, Moses, you just step out of the way. I'm going to destroy them. My wrath is going to burn against them. There's not going to be one of them left. But Moses took it upon himself to remind God of something. Verse 11. And Moses besought the, Moses Lord, his besought God, the Lord and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Uh -huh. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Uh -huh. Turn from thy fierce, Turn from wrath, fierce wrath and repent of repent this evil of this against, evil thy, against people. thy people. Now look at verse 13. Remember Abraham. Where are we at here? This is verse 13. All right. Read. Re remember Abraham. Remember, remember Abraham. Isaac. Isaac. And Israel. And Israel. Thy servants. Thy servants to whom thou to swearest. Whom thou swearest by, thine own by thine own self. And said unto, and them, said unto them, I will multiply, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And all this, and all land, this land that I've spoken of will I give, I give to your seed. And they, and they shall, shall inherit it forever. forever. Moses said, wait a minute, God. Wait a minute, God. I know you may be mad, but let me just remind you something. You swore an oath. You swore an oath. I don't care how mad you are. You swore an oath. And look at what happens in verse 14. And the Lord repented, and the Lord of, the repented of the evil which he thought to do. You know what spared the children of Israel? It was that oath God made. God said, I'm going to stand behind my oath. I can't lie. I'm going to stand behind my oath. Well, hallelujah. Oh, hear me, saints of God today. Amen. What does this have to do with us? And why, That's all great and wonderful. God did that for Abraham. God did it for the children of Israel. But listen to me. There's a reason why I feel like we need to talk about this for just a few more moments tonight. Let's go back to the text. Let's read the text again, understanding what it is that he's writing. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. He swore by himself. Saying, surely blessing I will bless thee. I'm going to bless you. And multiplying I will multiply I'm going to multiply thee. you. And so, after and he so, had patiently after endured, he, patiently he obtained endured, the promise. He obtained the promise. God kept his word. God kept his word. Verse 16. For men verily swear by the greater. Men verily swear. As I said, they'll take the Bible. They'll use the name of God. They swear by the greater. And an oath for confirmation is to them. And an oath for confirmation is to them the strife. end of all strife. In other words, you're saying, I don't really believe you're going to do it. But when they say, when they speak an oath, it puts it into a dimension where they have bound themselves to a contract. It becomes actionable if they break the contract. It is an absolute guarantee. Yes. And usually if you're going to make an oath, you do it by something greater. Yes. But God had no one greater. Read. Wherein God willing more now, abundantly. Look at this. Look at this. Verse 17. Wherein God. 
willing more willing abundantly, more abundantly to show unto the to heirs show of promise to the heirs of promise the immutability, the immutability of his counsel confirmed, confirmed it, it by, an, by oath. an oath that by, by two, two immutable, immutable things, things in which it was impossible, it was for, impossible God for God to lie, we might we have a strong might consolation. Have, we might have a strong consolation who have fled, who for, have refuge, fled for refuge to lay, to lay hold, hold upon the hope, upon the hope set, before, set us. before us. Listen to me, saints of God. Here's what the apostle is saying. God did all that for Abraham, but it really wasn't Abraham he was focused on. God was looking ahead in the future generations. He was looking ahead even into 2017 and he was looking at the people that would come into the church. We are the heirs of promise. And he's saying the same way that God not only promised, but he swore an oath to Abraham. God is bound by that same oath when it comes to the people who are the heirs of Abraham's promise. I'm telling you, God wants us to understand that everything he said, he didn't just promise it, he swore by it. God gave us a contract that God will not break. Hallelujah. Now, there's two different ways I could go right now. I'm going to just throw this in because it's not really the way that I'm feeling for the remainder of this service. But I do want to say this. Last week we talked about how great the promises of God were that he made to this church. We talked about all the things that, in, that are encompassed in that one little simple promise that God made when he said, I'm going to restore the years the locust has eaten. And when God said that, what a mind-blowing promise that he made. But I'm going to tell you this church, it wasn't just a promise. It wasn't just a promise. I'm telling you, God signed a contract with New Life Pentecostal Church. And God said, even if something starts to happen that might make me upset, I'm going to tell you, just remind me of the contract. I'm going to honor what I've said to you. I've sworn an oath to this church. I'm going to keep my word no matter what happens. Now, as I said, I, I could preach a long time just on that. But I really felt like the Holy Ghost was dealing with me. And this has been a few days ago. The Holy Ghost was dealing with me about this passage. And when I got to looking at this passage, and I understood, we are the heirs of promise. What promise? Not just the promise of growth and revival and blessing, but something else. We are the heirs of promise. God confirmed his, the immutability of his counsel by an oath. By these two immutable things, his promise and his oath, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation or encouragement who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Well, hallelujah. 
what hope is set before us. Again, it's not just the hope of revival and blessing. And There's another hope, and this is what I want to focus on for the rest of this message tonight. Just a few more moments, if you'll allow me. But there is another hope. Titus uh, chapter 1 verse 2 says this. In hope of eternal life. In hope of eternal life. Which God. In hope of eternal life. Which God. That cannot lie. That cannot lie. Promised before before the world began. I'm here to preach to somebody tonight. I'm going to tell you the same God that made a promise and an oath to Abraham and kept every word of it is promising to you that if you want to be saved you can be saved God is throwing everything he's got behind this contract honey God's going to make sure he does everything in his power if you want to go to heaven you can go to heaven Don't tell me I can't live that way. Don't tell me I can't do this. I'm telling you there's a God who cannot lie. And he's made a promise. And he's sworn an oath. Hallelujah. You listen to me. Nobody can stop you. Nobody can influence you. Nobody can sidetrack you. Nobody can make you backslide. Nobody can make you walk away from God. Because God gave us a contract. God swore an oath. If there's one thing God cares about, I'm going to tell you more than him caring about seeing this building full, more than him caring about us getting miracles and healings, more than any of that. If there's one thing God cares about, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants you saved more than you could ever want to be saved. Oh, I wish somebody would get a hold of this tonight. I'm telling you, if you want to make it, you can make it. If you want to go to heaven, you can go to heaven. Because God's going to be there to help you. If you don't make it, it's because you chose not to make it. But if you want to go, God said, I swore an oath. I'm going to stand behind this promise. I'm going to stand behind this assurance. If you want to be saved, I'm going to help you be saved. First Peter, First Peter, chapter one, verses three through five. Blessed be the God and Father of I'm our Lord done. Jesus I'm Christ. Done. First Peter one, verses three through five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh huh. To an inheritance. To an inheritance incorruptible. That is incorruptible and undefiled. And it is undefiled. And that fadeth and not it away. Fadeth not away. This Re- is First Peter chapter one and verse uh, four. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away. Reserved in reserved heaven for you. Reserved in for you. Hallelujah. You know. As much traveling as I do, I don't like, I don't like to just guess that I'm going to have a place to stay when I get somewhere. I've made that mistake before. I remember years ago, I think we were living in Colorado at the time. We were going to a Riggin family reunion in Indiana. 
And uh, we decided we would drive, you know, maybe halfway and we'd find a motel and spend the night. And uh, this was before the days of the internet and, uh, or just right after its invention, it just wasn't as free, uh, freely accessible as, as what it is now. We didn't have it on our cell phones and, and all of that. In fact, I don't even know that we had cell phones at that point, but, but, uh, this is really ancient history. You understand? I mean, this is like, if you want to talk to somebody in the next state, you build a campfire and send smoke signals, you know, it's, it's almost that bad carrier pigeon or something, but, but, uh, this is way back there, way back there. So we, we took off, we figured we'll find a place to stop. And we started out, it starts getting late. We pulled into the first little town. We tried to get a room. They said, no, sir, we're booked. We're full. There's something going on. There's no rooms available. And so we did try to visit and they all told us the same thing. So I said, all right, we'll go to the next town. We drove for a while, stopped in the next town, same song, second verse. We drove for a while, went to the third town, same song, third verse. And I'm telling you, we ended up driving all the way to Indiana, got there at 6 o'clock the next morning because there were no rooms. I don't make that mistake anymore. I make sure I've got a reservation. So when I walk in that hotel room, I just give them my last name and they hand me the key. I'm not driving all night anymore. When I was young and had lots of energy, that was one thing. I can't hardly drive an hour without starting to get sleepy now. And we won't talk about my wife. Now, she does do better if she's driving than when she's co-piloting. But anyhow, I want the assurance when I walk into that hotel and give them my name, they're handing me a key and I'm checking in because I got a reservation. And this is what the Bible said. There is an inheritance that is incorruptible. It is undefiled. It does not fade away. And you've got a reservation. There's a place with your name on it. If you want to spend eternity there, you can spend eternity there because he's already got a place waiting on you. Well, hallelujah. You know, I, I heard one man say one time, he said, I showed up at a place and they had overbooked. And uh, he said, they, they, they told me, he said, sir, we don't have any rooms. I'm sorry, we've, we've, we've already given out every room we've got. He said, but... But I had a reservation. He said, I, you, you promised me a room. So well, I'm sorry, but we've, we've, we've overbooked and there's nothing we can do. There are no rooms available. He stood there for a minute and finally he said, well, let me ask you a question. If the president of the United States showed up tonight, would, would he have a room? They said, well, you know, if the president showed up, well, we'd, we'd, we'd make sure that he got a room. He said, well, I'm pretty sure he's not coming. Just give me his. Praise God. I'm going to tell you something. God's got a reservation and God doesn't overbook. In fact, everything I know about God, he always goes above and beyond what is necessary. He's a, he's a God of abundant supply. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you don't have to worry about it. If you want to go to heaven, God's got a place reserved with your name on it. And if you want to go, he's going to help you get there.
Now, we're not finished. We're not finished. How's he going to do that? Read. Who are kept by the power of who God. Are, who are. Who are. Come on. I'm nearly done. Stay with me a few more minutes. Some of you act like you're my wife and she's co-piloting right now. <laughs> who are what? Who are kept by the power of God through faith, through faith unto salvation, unto salvation ready to ready be to revealed, be revealed in, the last in the last time. time. I want to tell you that word kept is a military term. In the original Greek, what that word means, it means to have a military garrison encamped about you. In other words, if anybody even tries to take you off of this path, you've got a whole army that's surrounding you. Hear me tonight, the devil's not strong enough to make you be lost. The devil can't force you to be lost. The only one that can make you be lost is yourself. But if you want to make it, if you want to make it, there's a God that's already sent an army of angels there. They are there to help you. They are there to strengthen you. They are there to protect you. Psalm 34, 7 confirms this. The angel, the angel of the Lord, Lord campeth around about, campeth them, round that about fear him. them that fear him and, delivereth, and them. delivereth them. You hear me? I'm telling you, they've set up camp around you. And they move camp every time you move. There are angels right now where you're sitting. If you want to be saved, there are angels saying, I'll help you. If you just ask, I'll help you. Oh, the devil's really bothering me. The devil's tempting me. Well, look, there's angels all around you. Just ask for help. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. I'm going to tell you there's a God who not only made a promise, but he swore an oath. If you want to go to heaven, I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to make sure that you can make it if you really want to make it. Jude, verse 24 says this. Now unto now him, unto that, him is able that is able to keep you to from keep falling. You from falling. You, hear, you hear what he said? God's able. He's able. God's got the ability to keep you from falling. Don't you buy into this nonsense that you've got to sin a little bit every day. That you've got to backslide. That you've got to slip up. That you've got to fail. I'm telling you, that's, you, you, don't, you don't have enough faith in the God that I serve. You don't have to do anything the devil wants you to do. If you don't want to, if you'll call upon him, he's there to deliver you. If you'll call upon him, he's there to strengthen you. If you'll call upon him, he is there to help you get to heaven. In fact, believe it or not, and this is hard to believe really, when I, honestly, Brother Merman, I know myself. And when I think of myself and my frailties and my weaknesses, this next statement is one of those $20 million promises. He's not only able to keep me from falling, but he's able to present me faultless. Lord have mercy. He can present me faultless. 
Does that mean I, he's going to get rid of all my faults? No. I'll tell you what it does mean. That if I'll just fall on my knees and ask God to forgive me and to cleanse me, he's going to step in and his blood will wash away every sin. His blood will take care of every mistake that I make. And when I stand before him on that day, there's not going to be one thing to see except somebody that's clothed in the blood of Jesus. When he gets ready to present you, he can present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Come on, somebody. I'm here to encourage you tonight. I'm here to tell you tonight, God swore an oath that if you want to be saved, he'll help you be saved. Hebrews 13, 5. Sister Becca, come. I'm going to close. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation, Let your conversation be, without be without covetousness and be content, be content with such things as you have. All right, look, quit worrying about the things you don't have. Quit looking at everybody else and seeing what they've got that you don't have. Be content with what you've got because there's one thing you've got that the world outside of the church doesn't have. Here's what it is. For he, has for said, he has said, I will never leave, I will thee, never leave thee, nor, forsake, nor thee. forsake thee. Well, hallelujah. It's kind of like that married couple, you know. They got into a spat, and I know none of you married couples ever do that. Um, well, yeah. Um, maybe I should say, I know none of you couples want us to think you do that. Uh, that might be more honest, but... But, you know, this couple got into this spat. And, I mean, boy, she's mad. And she goes into the bedroom and she grabs a suitcase and she starts packing it. And he's standing there watching. So he went and got his suitcase. And he starts packing it. And she said, where are you going? He said, I don't know, wherever you're going. Amen. Yes, sir. Because I won't leave you. I promised standing at an altar I wouldn't leave you. And I'm not leaving you. And I'm telling you, God promised you at an altar. He wasn't just going to walk away and abandon you. God made an oath to you. That doesn't mean he approves of everything you do. But I'm telling you what he does. He loves you enough that he doesn't just throw you away. God made an oath that if you want to be saved, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. If you want to walk away from him, you can walk away from him, but he's not walking away from you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God is going to stay on your trail. Because he loves you that much. He didn't come here and suffer the pain and anguish of Calvary just so that he could let you talk in tongues one time and then never, 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 never make it to heaven. No, my friend. What he went through was his covenant with you. It was his contract with you. He was saying to you, I want you to see firsthand. This is what I'm willing to do to help you be saved. And he didn't stop at Calvary. I'm telling you in this service tonight, he sent this preacher to tell you, if you want to be saved, you can be saved. Not because you're good enough. Not because you deserve it. But because he loves you enough. Matthew 28, 20. I'm closing. Matthew 28 and 20. 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And and lo, lo, I am with you all. I am with you. Come on, somebody. I am with you. I am with you. Even unto the end of the world. When it seems like the whole world is falling apart and everybody around you has departed and everybody's given up on you and nobody believes in you. I want to tell you there's one that still believes in you. And as long as he believes in me, that's all that matters. Because he's got the power to sustain me and to keep me and to help me be saved. Oh, let's praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to you tonight. I'm preaching to you tonight. I think somebody, somebody ought to make their way down to this altar tonight and say, Lord, I'm ready to go. As long as you're going with me, I'm ready. As long as you'll help me, God, I'm going to make it. As long as you're there to strengthen me, God, I know there's no devil in hell that's going to stop me from making it through those pearly gates. The same God that saved you is the God that can keep you. And not only can he, but he will and he wants to. He has promised to and he's sworn an oath to the heirs of promise. And when you fled for refuge, he was going to make sure you got to your destination. Come on, let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord.